And once again, we'd like to thank you guys and give a big applause to uh, Pastor Mike McIntosh. God bless Don McClure. He and I were two of the first interns that Chuck Smith uh, hired. We've been friends since 1971. And uh, we're both still standing. And God has uh, blessed us because Pastor Chuck Smith gave us such a role model to draw close to God. And um, some of the guys over the years got it and others didn't. But he just had a relationship with God and it just flowed out of him. And um, Don is one of my favorite guys. He uh, mentioned he has 10 grandchildren. He's always doing one-upmanship on me. We have 20 grandchildren. And in, in about a week or 10 days, we'll have our fifth great-grandchild. So he'll never catch me. I have a good Catholic upbringing. Okay, I've been asked to speak to you about holiness. And not the kind that your socks are, that kind of holy. Uh, but holiness as a man. And I would like to pray for each one of you. Because you are under such a demonic... Uh, how can I put this... Yeah, attack, but, uh, well, Jesus said that there would be a strong delusion in the last days. And uh, then he follows that up by saying, except those days be shortened, all flesh would be destroyed. So God intervenes before all the human race is destroyed. And we are watching things from the Bible daily right now. Daily. I do a program. In fact, it was Chuck Smith's program that I was asked to sit in. It's on hischannel.com. I don't know if you've ever found it, but it's a great seven days a week, 24 hours. Some of the best Bible teachers. Um, and I do a show with Pastor uh, Barry Stagner from Calvary Chapel, Tustin, California. It's called World News Briefing. And so every Thursday, uh, West Coast time, 6 o'clock, uh, we're there. And then uh, people can get it after that for the next week. They drop it because the next program comes on. But in the last three weeks, we have discovered how quickly things are moving. We were teaching four weeks ago about Ezekiel chapter 38, and we wanted the, the audience to understand how important that chapter is that uh, Russia is going to have five-sixths of its armies killed on the mountains of Israel. Nowhere in the Bible is the United States of America. Nowhere do we see it. So it says, I'll put hooks in your jaws, and I'll pull you down out of the north. Otherwise, Gog, which is the leader of Magog, uh, which is the physical area of present-day Russia, uh, would not be expecting this, but like some of you fish, I'm sure you've figured out a long time ago, fish aren't swimming around trying to find a hook. They're, they're just 
swimming around and you have some good bait, they're dumb enough to go for it. Uh, so that's what it's like, that Gog is out doing something and then all of a sudden he looks and he sees an opportune time. And then the, the neighbors and the young lions say, uh, well, what are you doing? Are you coming down here for a spoil? Are you going to plunder the place? Otherwise, to a group like the United Nations, it would be a shocker that Russia would go into Israel. So that was four weeks ago. And then three weeks ago, we talked about the typhoon submarine that is in the Mediterranean from Russia. And it carries 20 uh, nuclear-equipped missiles. However, there are 200 warheads. So each missile that comes out of that submarine can theoretically nuke 10 cities at one time, 10 locations. So we got talking about that. Then two weeks ago, we realized that Russia has just invaded the Middle East. They went into Syria. They had a deep water port uh, north of uh, Israel, but part of Syria. So then all of a sudden, Russia has about 1,000 ground troops in Syria, and the Iranians do. And the Iranians and the Russians both are supporting the Assad regime, while the United States of America is not supporting Assad, we are funding, apparently, to get him out of office. So basically, Russia, Iran, and America are fighting right now under the guise of rebels, uh, ISIS, different situations that have sprung up because of all that. Then this Thursday, not only has Russia put troops on the ground, they are building a military-sized airbase. And as soon as they could get that stretched out, big, big, giant planes started landing. Now, our satellites couldn't see what it was in there. Later, we find out some of their best weapons, army tanks, uh, personnel carriers. Um, they are now flying Russian jets, the newest jets, in this battle uh, in Syria. Russia has now launched drones over Syria. Uh, Mr. Netanyahu, the leader of Israel, just a few days ago flew to Moscow to have a meeting with Vladimir Putin, who's his enemy. At the same time, the Pope comes to the United States and starts his tour, and millions and millions of people are watching and listening and in person. And not once with all those people did he ever mention that there's eternal life through Jesus Christ. Instead of the most important message he should be representing, global warming was his message. How sad. The way that he's been treated in our country tells us several things. One, what happened to separation of church and state? Uh, he flew in and out of Andrews Air Force Base, government military facility. 
he's uh, talking to a full house, the Senate and the House, the Congress. He's been in the White House. He's uh, talking in Philadelphia this morning. He spoke to the United Nations. And all of a sudden, we have a world religious leader come into our country where the attitude has been set that religion has no place, separation, get the cross off that mountain, no Bible or prayer in school, and something's up. <laughs> now, last night, we hear uh, a couple of things. One, on Wednesday, the director of the European Union called a special meeting of all the heads of the EU. And he literally said, we're not going to make it. We're going to fall apart. These the immigrants are coming across our borders, and we've lost control of our borders. <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> and uh, we're just not going to make it. Then last night, it was brought to attention that they are now going to have a European standing military force to show Vladimir Putin they mean business, that he's not going to move into the Middle East and then think he's going to get Europe by shutting off his gas lines or his oil lines. So now we have Gog, the leader of Magog, has two air force bases now, two runways. Um, Syrian pilots are flying, quote unquote, so they say, the uh, Russian-made jets. America has voiced a concern, and our president and Putin, Russia's president, are going to meet at the UN in a couple of days. Now, the blood moon that uh, is going to be on Monday the 28th is the only time this will happen where there's a tetrad. A tetrad is where there's a blood moon, a, a lunar eclipse, and the blood looks like the moon looks like blood. And it'll be 500 years till this ever happens again that there'll be two years back to back with uh, a total of four eclipses. It's an omen. Jesus said, and the moon shall be turned as to blood. Now, here we are watching the Russians go into the Ukraine and nobody stopped them. Uh, the Russians have gone other places. They have great plans. Their bombers that carry their nuclear weapons this summer came within 40 miles from Santa Barbara, California. They have been penetrating our west coast. They have been coming up to Alaska, the Aleutian Islands. They're trying to see how quickly our satellites and our radar picks them up, and we scramble some jets. They're probing us. So this hook in the jaw could be something happens to our country. And we're not able to intervene anymore. We have no clue what that would be. It could be economic collapse. Uh, and that could happen in an hour. Uh, we're $18 trillion in debt cash. $18 trillion, that's so many zeros, I think they'd go from that wall to this wall. That's huge. Just that debt. But there's $120 trillion that is due in all of the programs, like Medicare, those kind of things, uh, Social Security. 
That is $120 trillion over the long haul. So we're in a very precarious place as a nation. And so something happens to us. I love our country. Those of you that serve or have served, thank God for you. Those of you that are in law enforcement or retired law enforcement, as my friend Terry from Sholo rode his motorcycle here to be here with us, uh, it's open season on law enforcement. And that fine, thin blue line is what separates insanity from our normal society. And to take over a country, as our president knows, because he studied under the best, Saul Alinsky, who wrote a book for community organizers. And in the opening page, that book uh, is dedicated to the first rebel, to Lucifer. <laughs> that is the Bible for a community organizer or a communist. So we have a lot going on. You'll notice when you watch the news, these people getting out of the boats from Libya. I forget how many have died now just coming across from Libya to Europe. So many have sunk and hundreds and hundreds of babies and boys and girls have died. You'll see very few children and when you see them marching along the border of Hungary, you see very few women. Why is it that all these people fleeing Syria are at the age that they could be fighting a war? Men. Why is it that it's, why aren't they staying and fighting for their country? That tells you something. Now they're finding out that ISIS is inside the immigrants and they're very concerned over there. They should be. I think that you and I alone, if we stood up in humility before God and asked him to forgive us and our nation of their sins and give us one more shot at this, I think that you could bring a revival to the church that's fallen asleep and a spiritual awakening to the people that have no clue that the end is here. One man with a Bible can change things instantly in any kind of environment or culture. A man that prays and walks with God, loves God, overflows with God, is a holy man. I've been asked to talk to you about holiness, not about end times uh, prophecy. But I lay all that out there because that's what's on my heart. I can see the end right before us. There's going to be a lot of problems in our country. A lot of problems coming this year. I've been to Iraq twice, northern Iraq, in the last seven months. I've seen people, talked with people, counseled with people that have escaped ISIS and the stories that I've tried to help them with, you would not believe how sick and perverted these men are that take these young women and throw them in the garbage dump when they're through them. But when I got there the first time and I found out from members of the parliament, it's just not cute little teenage girls. 
it's a girl or a boy that's five years or older. They sell them to perverts. And nobody's helping. We've fallen asleep. A United States military man was just booted out of the army. He had heard of this 12-year-old boy that was chained to a bed and being raped by a Muslim man. And he went in righteous indignation. And I don't know what he did to that man, but he got that boy free. Our government did not stand with him. Two days ago, or three days ago, they kicked him out of the military. Now, who's running our country? What person in Afghanistan has so much authority and power that they can reach over here and tell our commander-in-chief, get that guy out of your military? See how sick things are? If you and I don't stand up for righteousness, we're going to fall for anything, gentlemen. We need to be holy. And holiness is a word that sounds very religious to me. There are several. Don talked about being sanctified. That's one of those religious Christian Bible words that I first became known to through being a Christian. And holiness, you know, I followed after the Eastern philosophies in the 60s, and I knew that that wasn't it. Holiness is very important for you and me. Holiness is something that we want to be and do. Now, I'd like to have you turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. We'll look at the fourth chapter very quickly. And we're going to point out our theme from the fifth chapter. So in these two chapters, my assignment was to find the holiness of the matter and talk with you about it. And uh, if you'll just open up there, we can point some verses out. We won't read them all, but we will point them out. In chapter uh, 4, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Two things that each one of us should be in this room, especially being men, is that we must be good stewards over the mysteries and the things of God, which means you need to know your Bible. I found it interesting that this great world leader did not talk about the Bible. I would love to have had his audience and to talk to people about Jesus and the love that he has for the lost and the love that he has for his church. We must look at these two things as a pathway to holiness. Let a man so consider us, and Paul being the role model, as servants of Christ. We serve Jesus. Our appetites of the flesh no longer have control over us. We serve Jesus. We don't serve pleasure. We don't serve, as Don said, selfishness. The self dies. We're born again. A second birth when we accept Jesus. And you and I have the privilege of being men. And when you realize that you are a steward of the mysteries of God, that's a very holy thing to be. You know what mysteries? Well, 
Paul told young Timothy, great is the mystery of godliness. It is a mystery how someone like us could have godliness simply by praying and reading the word and fellowshipping with other men that love God. I spent a lot of years in, in Portland, Oregon, where I grew up, in bars and taverns. I think I got thrown out of more than I even went into. I mean, that was a fellowship hall. You went there, you played pool, you challenged somebody, they hit you with their pool cue, you pick up the stool, you whack him back in the head, you say, hey, let's sit down and have a beer, forget all that. So it's a fellowship hall where you can just go fellowship with alcohol. In California, of all places, who would be surprised, but I'm sorry to say there are churches, there are churches in our city, in San Diego, that uh, are new style churches where alcohol is served in the service. You can sit and have a beer or a shot of whiskey, and it's just to relate with people, they say. Well, that's the last thing an alcoholic needs in the name of Jesus. What kind of a pastor would torment somebody like that just to be cool? No, you and I are stewards. That means we are servants of Jesus Christ. We'll do whatever he asks, but we're stewards. That means that we have responsibility. We need to administrate our life. We need to look at it in a way that if you've seen me, you've seen God. Holiness. There are limitations. Holiness. There are boundaries in your lives. Holiness. And you could make it on an aisle down the South Pacific with nothing but a Bible. And if you were there for a couple of years, you would be a godly, holy, spiritual man. Just you, the Bible, and God. Gentlemen, our enemies of this great country are inside our borders. There was a map shown in the United States last year of 22 or 24 existing Al-Qaeda training camps in our country. That's the ones they're letting us know about. They're here. They're waiting. And yet the men of America are snoring. They're addicted. They're hung up. They know more stats about Adrian Peterson than they do Bible verses. They know more about the World Cup than they do the victorious life of many saints from the scriptures. They can quote to you every home run that uh, Pete Rose hit. But men have been told, this is how you be a man. But in the same time, we have been neutered by the forces of evil that make us timid to stand up and speak out for what is right. On the news on Thursday night, there was a whole crowd in uh, New York of uh, mothers. They were all Muslims. And they wanted the school district to change the school calendar that their children could have these days off for the holy holiday. And one of them that was the spokeswoman, 25 years old maybe, she said to the man in charge, you have to listen to us. You never had to listen to us before, but we are now the majority, and you will 
listen to us. Hmm. The world's changing very quickly. But I'm responsible to be a holy man. I need to know that I'm the steward of God's mysteries. And I can share those with other people. But I'm also the servant of Jesus Christ. Now let's go to... um, I can't see the clock back there. When am I supposed to be finished? Now? Well, there's nobody back there in the sound booth. I'm talking to a wall. Hello. Okay, Don got us late anyway. So, um, (laughs) chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. It is actually reported, New King James, that there is sexual immorality among you. Immorality, as it is not even named among the Gentiles or the pagans, that a man has his father's wife, it's his stepmother. In, for indeed, as absent, oh, and you're puffed up about this, and have not rather mourned that he who has done such a deed might be taken away from among you. Get that guy out. For I indeed, as absent in the body, but I'm present in the spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has so done this deed. I'm judging. That's part of the mysteries of godliness, this apostle said. I've already passed in judgment. But remember, there were no drugs, and then there's a war on drugs, and now drugs are everywhere. Some states, foolishly, are finding out that have passed marijuana, pro-marijuana. This is a bad idea. Because of the drain, like in Colorado, the drain on the medical system of overdosed potheads, financially unbearable. The accidents in vans and jeeps and trucks on and off the road that have multiplied because potheads are behind the wheel, legally. The guys that call in sick because they got two stone the day before and they're just going to keep it up, cost America billions of dollars. We've made some pretty dumb decisions. And yet, where are the righteous men? Where is holiness in the church? So we can ask the question. I see you back there by the sound booth. I realize the sound booth's over here, right? Okay. That's pretty sound to me. For indeed, he's judged in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are all gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you um, truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ is our Passover, was sanctified for us. So therefore, let us keep the feast, 
not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company um, with sexually immoral people. Underline that. Don't even fellowship with them. Don't keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covetous or the extortioners or idolaters, since then you'd have to leave the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone that is named a brother, any man that is a churchgoer, a Christian, don't keep company with him. Well, that's pretty strict. Turn him over to Satan. The church has that power. This guy is not repentant. He's causing as a little bit of sexual immorality that he's become somewhat of a celebrity among Christians. And instead of being brokenhearted over the sin of their neighborhood, which Corinth was just filled with sexual innuendo plus real things. In the um, temple of Venus, or Aphrodite, as she was also known, sexual goddess, there were 1,000 temple priestess, women ministers. But history tells us they were really 1,000 prostitutes in the guise of religion. And unholy men would go to the temple and pay the priestess after he confessed his problems and have sex with her. He could leave and it's all acceptable. It's not acceptable in God's kingdom. It, it is acceptable in the world, the devil's kingdom. It's not acceptable in our heavenly kingdom. And sexual immorality tells us a couple of things that he's facing here. He's saying, look, you'd have to leave the world because this is what the world is. I'm talking about you Christians. But then I have found in the last 45 years of walking with the Lord that there are many men that attend church, but they're not walking with God. They don't know Jesus. Oh, they're a good person. They mean well. They're generous. They're givers. They're nice. But when it comes to having holiness, the buck stops here, as Harry Truman said, our president. The buck stops here. Since I'm a steward of God's mysteries, I cannot endorse or encourage knowingly the things that nailed my Savior to the cross. And especially inside my Father's kingdom, that people are living ungodly, unholy lives. And they're not ashamed. They're not embarrassed. They're not convicted. And even other men know of their weakness, quote-unquote, and do not reprove, rebuke, or exhort with all long-suffering. Gentlemen, if we're at the Indy 500, they say, gentlemen, start your engines. I was at the Indy 500 in 1994. And they said, gentlemen and lady, there was one first-time woman in the Indy 500, start your engines. You can no longer just kick back and let the pastors talk about it and do nothing. 
You're to do the work of the ministry. We're to challenge you and to encourage you and keep you on that narrow path so you'll get through that straight gate that leads to eternal life. That's our responsibility. Your responsibility is to be so full of God and His holiness. The boundaries are known by the people you work with. You don't need to preach at them. Look at this lady down there in Kentucky. She went to jail because of her faith. Yet she's a young Christian, only four years old in the Lord. But she stood for righteousness. Now, could it have been handled a different way? Yes, of course. Did she necessarily have to go to jail? Well, that I don't know. But she did. And she's using her experience to give honor and glory to God. We all need to have a one-on-one experience with God Almighty. And we must be holy men in an unholy era of history and an unholy America. Men, we need to stand for the glory of God. So, if you have a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reveler, a party boy, or a drunkard, or an extortionist, don't even eat with such a person. Don't even eat. Don't have lunch. Hey, let's go get coffee. How are you doing with that? Porn. Are you out of that? No, it's all right. My wife knows I'm looking at it. She doesn't care. Really? Well, I'm not even going to have a cup of coffee with you. You see, when holiness comes... And men stand up for righteousness, and you try to help your brother. Galatians tells us, chapter 6, if there's a brother or five who uh, is stumbling, you which are spiritual among you, restore such a one. And then consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. We're all fair game for the devil, but we have the armor of God on, and every area of our body is protected by faith, from the helmet down to our feet, the only place that's open is our whole back area. But in Isaiah, God says, I shall be your rear reward, your rear guard. Now, when you're fighting an enemy, and nobody knows it better in this room than you that are active or you've served in the military, is you go forward. There'd be no reason for you to turn around and expose your back running away from your enemy or from the fight. Holiness. It sounds very religious. It's a dynamic doctrine of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New. In Exodus, if you'd turn there with me, if you're new to the Bible, it's the second book, Genesis, Exodus. I'd like you to look at this song of Moses. It gives us a good start for the definition of how does holiness apply to me? Do all of a sudden I have to grow a big long beard or dress weird or I can't eat sugar or drink coffee? There's no rules and regulations about your flesh. In Galatians 5.19 it says the fruit of the, uh, of the flesh is adultery, fornication, lying, fighting, on and on. But the fruit of the spirit is love. So with that love, you have patience and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering. And against such, there is no law. 
That's a holy man. That, that isn't a lot for us to do, is it? But it's not our holiness. It's his holiness. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. He's my father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has uh, cast into the sea. He is chosen, his chosen captain also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom just like a stone. I was sitting in class working on a master's degree many years ago, and uh, the uh, professor brought up that this isn't what you've been told. Somebody said, what do you mean? He says, well, that name for the Red Sea is translated the Reed Sea. I said, oh, I'm just sitting there with the other students, and he's telling us about the Reed Sea. And they didn't open up the whole sea. There was just a shallow part already there, like a land bridge under the water, and they just walked through. And I said, so that isn't what the Bible says. Yes, but good critical thinking and study will help you understand things like this. I said, okay, professor, could I ask you a question? Yeah, Mike, go ahead. So you're saying that it's not the Red Sea, it's the Reed Sea, which reeds are on the shore. It's a shallow, yes, you got it. I said, but hold it. God's word says that he drowned the Egyptian army and all their horses in the Red Sea. Are you telling me that God came along, or Moses and Aaron and they threw the horses down on the ground and then they started splashing water up their nose holes and that's how they killed them all? Well, no, I don't think they did that with the nose holes or anything, but it's the Red Sea. And I said, I'm sorry, it's the Red Sea. And God drowned them according to his word. You stay true to the word of God. And you stand for it. You don't need to be obnoxious. You don't need to be pushy. You just need to live it and let him flow through you. Now look what he says here. The depths have covered them. They sank like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, not the horses, the uh, waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them and I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. This is Pharaoh. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waves of waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods, small g, with an S? Idolatry. Sports. Video games. We are consumed with so many things of this world that the Bible isn't even second or third place probably in most people's minds. But he says, who is like you? He's seen God work 
There isn't anybody like you. Like you. Who is like you, O Lord among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in, did you say that word? Holiness. Glory comes with holiness. Glorious. Your holiness is so bright, so powerful, so overwhelming. So now we know to be holy brings glory to God. You uh, fearful in praises, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. A place to live in holiness. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The habitation that you have to go to every minute of every day to be in his holy habitation in your spirit and to let the glory of God's holiness shine through our lives. And it's not do's and don'ts. It's not. Now turn, if you would please, to First um, Chronicles, which is very close. You go there. First uh, Chronicles, Judges and Ruth and Samuel. And then the Kings and the Chronicles. We want to look specifically at chapter one, uh, chapter sixteen of First Chronicles, and listen to what he says here. <clears throat> Thus, verse twenty-eight: All of Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of the horn and trumpets, cymbals, making music with stringed instruments and harps. And it happened as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and she saw King David whirling and playing music. And she despised him. She hated him. Now jump over to the same place, only the 24th verse of chapter 16. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And that's what David was doing. Um, and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for uh, all gods of the people are nothing but idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and strength and majesty are before God. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord two things, glory and strength. Give your strength to the Lord. And you'll see that you're very weak. But when you give your best years and your best income and the best of everything you have to offer to God, there is a strength in holiness through sacrifice and giving. You need that strength, gentlemen. You need not fear what people think if you actually say something about Jesus in a store or in public. There's three things that overcome the devil. The blood of the lamb, according to Revelation. Number one is the blood of the lamb. You bring up the blood of the lamb and the demons go next door. The blood of the lamb. The word of their testimony, number two. You start telling people at work or down the street or in the park, wherever you are, of how you came to the Lord and the power of God takes your living story 
and drives the devil away and impacts the hearts of other men. The blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and the third thing that defeats the devil and gets him out of your life is, and that they love not their lives unto death. You're not worried. You trust him. He'll take care of your finances, your health. Trust is very important. A holy man trusts the invisible God that you're going to see face to face. Stand up for righteousness, men. Be recognized as a holy man. Oh, I don't say grow the Jesus beard and the Jesus hair and put on a bathrobe and wrap it around with rope and bless you, my child. No, I'm just saying everybody knows that you do not cheat on your wife. Everybody knows that you are a do-gooder. You do good for people. Everyone knows what you stand for. And they can mock you and scoff, be a scoffer. Makes no difference. It's the Lord. And these poor souls are going to end up in hell in a matter of hours. The Lord's coming back, gentlemen. We need to be ready in righteousness and holiness awaiting his arrival. Had the religious people of Israel truly loved God, they would have known the verse and they would have looked at Daniel and Daniel told us from the time that Artaxerxes gives the command to rebuild that it'll be this year that the Messiah come riding into Jerusalem humbly upon a colt of an ass. You would have thought they would have been at every gate of Jerusalem. This is the day. Our calendar tells us this is the day. How many adult men rode in humbly to Jerusalem on the colt or a pony of a donkey? You see, we could talk all day and all night about the end of the world and what the Bible says about this and the Bible says about that and here's what's in the news and still do nothing with it just like they did. Gentlemen, I'm asking you to enlist today in the spiritual work of the host of heavens. To stand with Michael. To stand with Gabriel. The mighty warriors of God against this tide, this tsunami of wickedness that has gone from the White House to the outhouse. I was in a hotel lobby in uh, northern Iraq, in Kurdistan. And the day that the Supreme Court said that men can marry men and women can marry women, there were Iraqis and others in that lobby watching that same screen. And it went to an evening shot of the White House all lit up like a rainbow. You know what I'm talking about? That made me sick to my stomach when I saw that. But the gay flag was more important than the American flag. And that this movement has overtaken the leadership of our country. And you, because you are a holy man, you hold true to the mysteries of God. And you will stand for righteousness. And people will see it. And you're going to be hated. We're not far off, gentlemen. You'll be despised. 
But Revelation says the bride has prepared herself and made herself ready for the return of the Lord. Are you preparing yourself? Are you living like a holy man before all this world? Do you care what happens to our country? Are you unconcerned that five-year-old boys are being raped? They can buy them for $80 and resell them? Man alive. It's going on. We get none of this in the news. There is a plan that the majority will be in this country just like it is in Europe. And the head of Europe called a special meeting on Wednesday this past week and told all the heads of the European countries the EU is going down. That was a social experiment. It's going to come back together. That's prophecy from Daniel. It'll be the ten, ten leaders, just like Daniel said. It's coming to pass. I cannot be idle knowing that about everybody I pass on the highway, the freeway, the back roads, the alleys, in a supermarket, in a grocery store, in a 7-Eleven, is going to hell. Their soul is dead. They have no witness. And maybe I live right next door to them. When I'm in line at a grocery store, I like to pray for the people. Somebody else, I'll, I'll water. Somebody else will plant more seed. Be about your father's business. That's what we're supposed to be. Be in a business-like manner of living. And business brings a net profit. But if you were to stand before the throne of God today, would you be overdrawn in your account of holiness? Are your reserves pretty low in righteousness, kindness, goodness, giving, gentleness, meekness? Are you helping, as it says in the Proverbs, and speaking out for them that are unable to speak for themselves? The little babies, 53 million or more in America alone have been aborted. American citizens, if those 53 million were alive when they started this in 1970, 69, 71, there would be no problems. We'd be the wealthiest nation in the world because all 53 of them would be adults, pretty close, or at least teenagers, and they'd be in college, and they'd be working, and they'd be paying taxes, and we would not be broke. So now, since we've depleted our future like Europe has, we've let our guard down on purpose, I believe, and let the people come across to Texas, Arizona, and California every night, thousands and thousands, and not just Mexicans. One night last week, there were Pakistanis, Iranians, Chinese, everything, but there wasn't one Mexican that was uh, arrested in this particular group. They're here, they're among us, and they want to slit our throats. Why would you want to be anything but a holy man that you don't have to struggle inside anymore? You surrender and you become somebody that stands for righteousness, for the glory of God, leading to your eternal habitation that will be filled with holiness. To the world, there is no hope. But to you and I, we have an assignment. We represent the creator of the universe. 
He happens to not only be our Father that created us, He's our friend. And He has given us His Son to show you how much He loves you. For Jesus said, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whoever would believe in Him would never die, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through Him might be saved. But here's the condemnation. That men love darkness more than they do light, lest they come out into the light and their deeds are evil, they're exposed. I wonder how many of us have friends that are in that darkness and they are doing immoral things. You see, sexual immorality was the word in 1 Corinthians. So if there's immorality, it must be in comparison to sexual morality. So what is right in sex? I'll close with this. If you'll turn to the 12th chapter of the, uh, let's go to the 13th chapter, the book of Hebrews. Please. Yeah, 13th chapter. Little boy stood up in his Sunday school class and said, um, the Bible teaches that the husband must make the coffee in the morning and give it to his wife. And the Sunday school teacher said, well, where do you get that? And he says, well, there's a book called Hebrews. So that's probably what it is. Okay, let's um, close out here. And let's look at the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Let me point something out to you. Chapter 13. I'd like to have you look at... uh, Okay. Verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed, the marriage bed, is undefiled. But fornicators, people have sex outside of marriage, and adulterers, a married person, having sex outside their marriage. God will judge. And fornicators comes from the original root word of pornea, and fornicators is uh, abnormal sex. Uh, And here he's saying the marriage bed is undefiled. Anything between a man and his wife, that's between them. There is no perversion. Uh, But he tells us here that it's honorable, undefiled, but fornicators, pornea, and pornea literally translates uh, perverted sex. So we get pornography. It's perverted. And um, that's what he's saying here. Fornicators, adulterers, God will judge Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with your wife. Be content. Godliness with contentment, Paul the Apostle said, is great gain. The marriage bed is the norm. It's moral, sexual morality. This man was committing sexual immorality, and the other people in that church knew about it, and they were spreading rumors and slander. Even though it's wide out in the open, he's reproving these people because of the lack of holiness, 
the church has allowed inside its four walls. All sorts of stuff that's of the world. Holy is our God. He's a holy God. His habitation is holy. His holiness is glorious. And he gives it to us freely. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not what ifs or maybes. It's you. It's about you getting down on your knees humbly and asking forgiveness that you're living a life that's actually not very holy. It's a high calling. Let's all stand together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you love each one of us here this morning. We thank you so much for this conference. We pray for Don and for Ray and Pancho, that you would bless them with the coming messages. I pray for my dear brothers that have come here to be strengthened, that they would realize this is the day that the Lord has made and let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is a day that holiness is being held out. And the standard of holiness is Jesus. The price for you to get holiness was Jesus on the cross. The power of holiness is God raising Jesus from the dead. And the glory of holiness is God's. And he gladly shares it with us. I pray, Father, for my brothers. Their heart will mourn and break over the wickedness they know that's going on around them. And they would reprove those that are called Christians with all long-suffering and being gentle. They will see what's going on in our country and they will no longer be silent. They're going to stand up for God because we're right down to the end. And it's no longer us going over to their country to keep them from coming here. They are here. And so I pray as an American, as a Christian above all, that you could use me and my brothers to win millions of people to you. Help us get our house in order. Help our families. Bless these men, young and old. To the young men, I pray, Father, that the challenge of your Holy Spirit to be a godly warrior would go deep into their heart today, not physically hitting people over the head, but spiritually going to war against these evil, wicked, dark, demonic forces that have captured our White House, captured the imagination of our government, and so many people that don't know you. Have mercy. In Jesus Christ's name, we all pray. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.